DJ PK brought to you in part by the Dyslexia Center of Utah. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. All right, we got uh, multiple questions up on our uh, Facebook page. One of them, PK, the governor says we will have the biggest parade in the state's history if the Jazz win the NBA Finals. How crazy would that be? (laughs) Matt says that is the only parade I would attend. Matt, that's what's going to make it the biggest parade ever because parade people will show up for any parade. It's the non-parade people like you and me, Matt, who can't go to any parade. This is the parade to get you out there and make it the greatest of all parades. Going to be the greatest of all time because I really like the Pioneer Day parade when the Channel 5 people are in the back of convertibles waving at me. Makes you feel really whole, really part of the community. I'm glad you, yes. I'm glad you go to that parade, PK, because I ain't going. <laughs> but you might go to a jazz parade. Oh, I'd go, I'd You're the, one of the non-parade people that on, will make this the biggest parade I'd be in ever. The front row of the We would be one. in the parade waving at people. Okay, good point. <laughs> uh, who are these guys? Well, you know. <clears throat> secret no, secret we, story. At some point in the late 90s, early 2000s, I would say probably more likely early 2000s, Channel 2. Had a float in the Pioneer Day Parade. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why it stopped happening. But I know that there was one year that I was told to be down there at like, I don't know what it was, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, something early. And you get up and got this modified thing and they got a thing for you to lean on, this little like uh, bar to kind of lean on. And that whole waving thing, okay, there it was. So you did it? One time I did do it. And not elbow, being a parade elbow, guy, wrist, wrist, elbow, elbow, and wrist, not being wrist. a parade guy. Let me tell you, that was not my. So that's the, mo- the most the fun I've ever. Oh, oh yeah, that's oh not the most God. fun. That's not the most fun I've ever had at work. What the hell is say. wrong with TV people? I have no idea. But you know what? <laughs> Somebody obviously just hit their head that year because the next year I thought it was going to happen again, and it didn't. It just like quietly went away, and I don't know why because I didn't want to trigger someone into like, oh yeah, we should be doing that. Because you know? you're not celebrities. Okay, so... I'm, the, so the, I'm so glad I got out of TV. <laughs> <laughs> you are not. You said multiple bitter things about it. I am. I, no, I'm not. You're right. You're right. I miss it. I miss it badly. I wish I still did it. I definitely miss it. There's no question about it. Uh, but, yeah, that, that Pioneer Day parade. Oh, because that was That's when the, the watchdog flew me up from California. I'd accepted the job, and they, were in a, they flew me up again to look for a place to stay, and uh, was right around that time. My wife was with me that time. We stayed at, uh, it's like the Red Lion thing, I think it was called, right around a the corner there. Uh. And uh, so we went out the night before. We see all these people. They're like, they, they're, they got camp gear. We're wondering what the heck's going on. And the next morning we wake up and we just walk over and we see this goofy parade. <laughs> Who are these what, people? What Why are they waving doing? at me? People, <laughs> and the thing is, not just going to the parade. But that people, are, and I just, I'm not wired right to get this. People are very excited to camp out on the sidewalk overnight. They still, they don't do that anymore, do they? I, oh, I, they still do. They do? Still a thing. I drove home uh, 
And sometimes they go on the freeway and sometimes they go city streets. It's about the same time. And I was cutting across town on uh, 600 South and hit a red light and pulled up and looked up and just could not believe the line of tents and had a red light to contemplate that. And, and people were buzzing. They're having a good time. They're, you could hear the chatter and somebody had some music going and people were laughing. It was, they were having a good time. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine it, but well, there you go. But wow, if this team won the title, it would be the greatest thing sports-wise to ever happen to this community. Locally, bigger than the Olympics. The, initial, the Olympics are a world thing. Uh, and locally, it would be the biggest thing totally, totally by agree. far. Yes. I, I told you, uh, I had to do a live shot uh, on the curb in front of the then Delta Center after Game 4 of the NBA Finals in 97. And in that series, the Jazz went to Chicago and lost two. And then they came home and they won the next two. And Game 4 was really exciting. That rebound Stockton got in the one-hand pass, he threw 75 feet. Parachuted it in perfectly to Malone, who was actually covered. It's like hitting a wide receiver. And Malone turned and scored in one motion before he got the shot blocked. And Stockton hit a deep three, and they won the game, and everybody was just on fire leaving the arena. So excited. And standing out there waiting to do that live shot. PK, I wish you had been there. The number, the 300 West was packed with people. And they were all honking horns and hanging out of the car. They were cruising. It was, what's that, uh, what's that old uh, movie about cruising in the Central Valley? It's like from the 70s. And it's like a cultural icon thing, and I don't get it because I'm not old enough. But American Graffiti? Yes, American Graffiti. It was like out of American Graffiti. People just cruising back and forth. You'd see the, the same trucks and, same, and just packed on both sides of the street, honking horns, screaming. There were people on the plaza who just didn't leave. They were out there with noisemakers and stuff. I was and, there. I was in one of those cars. Oh, that's awesome. You were not. <laughs> I was too. I was going nuts, man. And that was at 2-2, and people were out of their mind. And you just turned I was out of my mind. Two out of three series with MJ. People will tell you I'm still out of my mind. Well, that's true, but that's a different issue. (laughs) Well, here's the feedback that we got on our Facebook page. The governor says we'll have the biggest parade in the state's history if the Jazz win the NBA Finals. How crazy would that be? Matt says it's the only parade he would attend. Um, And then Rick says that would be awesome. And then the rest of the comments <laughs> did not reflect well on the governor. One game at a time from Daniel. Brandon says, let's be honest, dot, dot, dot. I assume All he right. thinks that's not happening. That, uh, why not? Michael says, win a first-round series before you talk this craziness. And then Tyson says, Cox is jinking, jinxing the jazz. He just needs to shut his big mouth. He's a terrible governor. Well, I have no idea what kind of governor he is. I don't pay attention to any of that stuff, so I couldn't oh, respond man. to that. But, uh, I mean, obviously those those guys are going to be local fans and those women who are in politics because you want to be popular. See, there's, there's very little difference between TV news people and politicians as far as I'm concerned. It's all about popularity and uh, make people think you really care about them and good for them as long as you keep your gig. But he's not a player. He's not a coach. So why isn't he allowed to think about them? Plus, they got the number one record in the league, and we're down to the final three or four weeks of the season. So why wouldn't you be thinking about that as a fan? We're all thinking about that. Can they do it? We're all Every single Jazz fan, NBA fan, can the Jazz do it? Once you have the number one record at this point in the season with a few games to go, 
you're allowed to think that. Now, they, they don't need to be focused on that for sure, obviously. But the rest of us, yeah, so uh, Governor Cox wants to say that. It's completely legitimate. Yeah, I, I totally get why he says that, and they've got to go ahead and do it. But, yes, this would be an unbelievable moment in our city and state and region. And the parade, the parade would last for hours, too. <laughs> As it should, man. It would be it would be the biggest thing ever. And we've seen, you know, in big cities and ticker tape parades down whatever they would do it in New York and all that stuff. We've we've seen all that. And uh, why wouldn't we do it here? You know, because uh, maybe you'd be able to be outside more. Obviously, the parade is outside, and, we're, and that would be July, so it would be a month even longer into the calendar. So yeah, it would be incredible, man. Combine and. And I think the last game, if it goes seven, I think I heard it would be July July twenty second. So why not combine that with the Pioneer Spiel and have it both, man, and go crazy? It would be the biggest thing. Oh, everybody and anybody who wants to ride in a car, all you gotta do is put your car in there. <laughs> It'd be from Logan to St. George, man. Highway eighty nine. It's yeah. packed. I think that one, you don't see that commercial anymore, but it's just like a cowboy and a, and a uh, he played a guitar and, and uh, he would be singing and it would be a commercial about all the places in Utah. I don't even know what they advertised, uh, but it used to it used to see that commercial Bingo a lot. Tires. Is that what it was? Yep, yeah, yeah, it was a great commercial. I remembered it. And so that's what it would be, man. Take the parade on the road. We'll come to you. We'll have one in Logan. We'll have one in Beaver. Of course, you'll have one in Beaver. And then, of course, and you go, go all the way down to St. George. They'll go into Mesquite, man. Yeah, in Vegas. Over. We used to play in Vegas way back when. Let's go down there. Hey, PK, we got to get over Moab and Blanding, too, while you're at it. So You name it. Wherever there's an LDS temple, that's where there'll be a parade. It'll be a long Coming parade. to San Diego. <laughs> exactly. No, in Utah, doofus. Oh, oh there's, that's still a long parade. There's, <laughs> what, 20 in the state now? But if you're combining the 24th with that, you got to do it. Well, I think the NBA Finals will be run until, like, July 15th or something. We're going to be in that neighborhood. I just said show. June, so. July 22nd. <laughs> Didn't you freaking hear me? No, I totally. just said the exact word. Nope. You suck at all levels. When you started listing all 20 temples, I did. I lost it. I didn't list any freaking temples. You oh, did. Yacht did. Uh, your voice is all right together. What the hell? Do you listen to anything I say? Anything. Just one thing. <laughs> get Ingles on here to swear, because he can get away with it, because he named a body part yesterday, <laughs> and that's what you are. I knew who Renee was. I've listened to that story, but I find that story interesting. That's Renee. <laughs> not that Renee. You're Renee, not his Renee. Jeez. Who would be 90? Yeah, well, when we're when I'm going, no, 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 June 1st, you idiot. June 1st. Come on now. Gosh, you suck. I- I'm done here. <laughs> David Locke is coming up next. DJ and PK will get his opinion on whether you should uh whether the Jazz should be dumping games and trying to avoid the Lakers and see if they want to see them in the second round or the third round, or does it even matter, and what would he do? They think and also, that... who should be my new co-host? Yeah, David Locke, Morning Drive. He used to do Morning Drive back in the day. That was a long time ago in about uh, seven sports oh, yeah. talk radio uh, stations I ago. I hope you listened to him then, because you sure don't listen to me now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Did you hear Jordan Clarkson use the term even keel? I don't get it too high, too low about nothing. I stay even keel. Those of us who are sailors, we know what that is. You're going to go to the origin of even keel. That's where no, we're no, going. When a ship is trimmed evenly upon the water, drawing the same depth forward and aft, then that's even keel. And some ships sail better when they're brought by the head and others by the stern. Well, I don't want to get into it for those who have limited knowledge. All of right. Sailing. Long John Silver. Let's get back to talking about <laughs> basketball, shall we? Guess what? Ahoy! I sail! I'm a sailor! I sail! Keep sailing, Bob! Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Mark Miller. Mark Mark Miller Subaru bringing you DJ and PK in the morning. And it'll be the jazz in the afternoon, not the evening. A very early 1 o'clock start for the Jazz and the Pacers today. The super rare businessman special in the NBA. Not a holiday game, not a Christmas day or MLK day, just a regular workday afternoon NBA game. But they're on ESPN tomorrow playing the Lakers in the afternoon, and you got to give them time to fly in there and have the 24 hours off before the game, and they've got to do COVID testing, and so we end up with a 1 o'clock game. Pacers coming in, having won four out of five. That sounds good for a team that's a couple games under 500 and going to end up apparently somewhere in the middle of that Eastern Conference uh, play-in game series. They're, they're currently sitting ninth in the East. But the four of five, a little misleading, PK, among the wins over an Orlando team that was gutted at the trade deadline by uh, deals and over a Houston team that was gutted bef- well before the deadline deal by the Harden trade. And by Minnesota, who's the worst team in the NBA. So it's a soft spot in the schedule here. They did lose to the Clippers on, uh, on Tuesday. That's the, the one loss in this stretch. But going back to our earlier discussion, if the Jazz play well, they'll be the one seed. And the only way to avoid being the one seed and avoid the Lakers, presumably in a second-round series, is to either A, play really poorly and lose multiple games to teams like the Pacers, who are mediocre at best, or to sit your guys down for a week and tank multiple games to get there. But you've already got a week up before the playoffs, so do you really need two weeks without these guys playing? That seems like a horrible idea. So play well, beat the Pacers. You beat them on the second day of a back-to-back in Indiana. on a, I guess it was a third game in four days, right? And they were tired, but they were able to grind and, and win the game and beat the Pacers in the first matchup this year. And I, I would assume that they roll through this one as well. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the last time they played the Pacers, it was the third game in four days. It was a, a, a tough game, and you know, <laughs> I assume if they if they win this, they should be able to roll. And the Pacers, I don't know if you know, but they've got a soft spot in the schedule. They did lose to the Clippers. I don't know if you know that. Uh, a couple of these things have occurred to me semi recently. Yes, and <laughs> you have to be with us for the last segment to really enjoy this. <laughs> I don't know if you know any of this stuff. That's why I'm repeating it. That's good to really drive it home. You know, people don't <laughs> learn, really understand something until they've been taught it three times in three different ways. That's how uh, when you're when you're coaching your uh, you're coaching your young youth teams out there. Remember that kids need to practice it three times, three different ways before they really know it. Yeah, I don't so, know if you know this, but people need to practice something three times before they really know it. Yuck! You need to repeat all of this after PK and I, so that the <laughs> listeners really get it. I'll spare him. Come on, Yach. Play along. Meanwhile, I'm wasting time looking up something meaningless on the internet when somebody else speaks. 
So what are you looking up? Whatever, just anything to do to not to pay attention to you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, classic. So, yeah, they should get this win for sure, because as you know, Dale Davis and Rick Smiths are not walking through that door. Nice! Let's name some legendary Pacers not walking through that door. Uh, I didn't want to go with Reggie Miller, but, uh, I mean, he's, he's Mr. Pacer, at least in the NBA. I mean, that, that franchise was in the ABA, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm yep. not sure who was their great ABA stars uh, back when they played. But Reg, obviously Reggie Miller in latter-day NBA stuff, uh, he was their guy. Uh, but uh, the Pacers, they're, they're, they've just been sort of stuck in the middle. You know, they're not a great team. They're not a bad team. It seems like I've been able to say that for 15 years. I feel like they're down now versus where they've been for most of their history, and they're still at 500. I mean, they have, it's not like they've completely yeah, fallen bad, apart. I don't think you're a bad team if you're a 500 team in the NBA. I, I agree, but I think that they have been in that kind of 47-53 to 53 win phase for a long time. I view them, well, until the last decade, I mean, the Suns, but it, kind of the way the Suns and Jazz were, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, I thought Indiana pretty much mirrored that in the East. You know, I wasn't so looked. I was never surprised if I looked up and saw them okay, three, but, four, five in the East. So at times they were better, but right somebody, now they're not bad. Right. Yes. That's what I'm saying. They, they they had their day with Reggie and those guys, and I just named a couple of them. Uh, but they're not bad. They're not a bad team. They had an All Star in Sabonis, which I think this was the second time. So that's something they can hang your hat on. I don't think you can just go in here and go through the motions and expect to beat them. You're going to have to have some level of intensity. And for the Jazz, they've had a couple of days off, so we can blow off the the rest stuff and the overplaying of the amount of games as if they're the only team who has to go through that. Everybody has to go through that. Uh, so they've got guys that should be well-rested, be able to play. You know, they make a big deal about the back-to-backs with Conley, and we, we talked about favors, but I'm wondering, is, does Conley play? Because they've got the back-to-back tomorrow. And he did play the back-to-back the other day, but then sat out. So does he sit out today? I'm not sure. Does he sit out sit out tomorrow? Well, what what game? And that That's kind of a dicey thing for them. What, what game do you choose to have him sit out? Because there's no guarantees here, because the Pacers are a halfway decent team. So how do you choose which game you want you want him not to play, which game you want him to play? Maybe he plays both, and he sits out Monday. I don't know. I don't know what their line of thinking is there as far as that goes. But it's clear they're going to try to manage him, and that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. Get him at his best in the playoffs, because he's a valuable commodity on your ball club, and he makes your team that much better if he's there playing. He's had a pretty good season, certainly. So I expect them to win, but there's other things that they've got to do within that as they go about managing all this stuff here. Just get out and play, man. And really, if you want the number one seed, this is a game you've got to win. Yes, agreed with that. I think the thing with Conley is we see him sit often, not always, but often in one of the back-to-back games. But I don't know if that's what's triggering it or if it's more that they're looking at four games in six days is too much because you know maybe having the two days off here and him only having played once in five days, maybe he can handle the back-to-back. And maybe, maybe, so. maybe there's more on how it feels to him you know, based on you know, just how he feels after a practice or after a game or you know, after a workout, whatever. Um, you know, is it more by feeling? Is it more data and math? I mean, they don't really go into that. They don't like to go into that. You can ask about it, but you get an awesome non-answer answer. 
Uh, so I, I can't guarantee you. There hasn't been much about him being out today. I mean, just on the value of the two games, you would think he would sit out versus the Eastern team and play versus the Western playoff team. Um, but do they want him to have two days off before the game on Monday? You know, there's a lot to delve into here. But I haven't, to your point, I haven't heard either way if he's going to go or not. Neither one would surprise me. If they announce it, you know, if at 11 or noon, whatever Jazz official Twitter says he's out, that wouldn't be shocking. If he's in, it wouldn't be surprised either. But it's not four games in six days or five and seven, and that may be the bigger problem. So, Yeah, but nevertheless, uh, with or without him, they've got to find a way to win this ball game. I think it's really important. All these games now, that, that's the thing about it. No matter really who you play, if you want the one seed, if you only game back. Yeah. And so they're right there. And this is something that if if you deem is of a high level importance. Now, it's not of a high level of importance to over, overtake what you do in the postseason, but they've got to figure out what they think about it. All right, it's time to welcome in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and he is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, live from my Murdoch Santa Fe. Oh, there it is. You're in your car. All right, so yeah. I'm, I'm curious here uh, how much value you put on being the one seed, whether you think it's a big advantage to uh, see the Lakers in the second round or a big advantage to avoid them until the conference final, or if you're bored by the entire discussion and you just don't care. No, I think the one seed's really, really important for three or four reasons. Um, one, the Lakers are great. Uh, what Frank Vogel's done defensively without LeBron and Anthony Davis, I actually think is coach of the year worthy. Um, and probably he deserves to be in the discussion. We always just take the coach of the year for the team that's the best record in the NBA, and so for that, Quinn or Doc's going to win it. But I think that, frankly, Frank Vogel probably deserves coach of the year for having lost his two best players and kept that team afloat, um, or at least some discussion in there. Um, uh, and I, but at the same time, I actually think the Clippers are the best team in the West and have all year, so... I don't actually think there's like a game to play where you gain anything by avoiding the Lakers in the second round. I think the Clippers are just as good. In fact, I think the Clippers, as I said, are the best team in the West. Um, regards to the number one seed, I think it's wildly important because with the new tournament, uh, eight plays nine and nine plays ten, so the eight seed will have played two games by the time you play them. That's one. Two, because of that, you're guaranteed to play the last day of the first round because your eighth seed has already played those two games, so you get extra rest. Uh, Three, I think home court throughout the whole thing as we increase attendance over the next month and a half or two months is going to be really important as well. And lastly is, you know, I guess now that Denver's had the Jamal Murray injury, but let's see how dominant Jokic can be. You know, before that injury, I thought there were five teams that could win the West, which is really incredible. We haven't had that in a long time. And I thought they were all very, very equal. They're, you know, if I had to sort them, I would. The Clippers is the best. But their differential was very slim. So to have home court, I thought, was a really, is a really, really big advantage in that. So I think having the number one lead is considerably important. So you mentioned multiple times you think the Clippers are the best team. Why don't you think the Jazz are the best team? Are, well, first of all, the difference between the Jazz and the Clippers this year, I think, has been health. 
Um, you know, the Jazz deserve a lot of credit for this, uh, but they have been able to avoid COVID protocol and they've been able to avoid injury. And, you know, some of that's luck, but some of it's not by accident. Some of it's Mike Elliott and Eric Waters, the staff that was built by by Dennis and Justin and, and David Morway in the front office. David Morway, I think, may have led that campaign from his background in Indiana doing the same um, and the way Quinn's managing the team. So I, I think there's credit to be given there. I don't want to – I think that's important. But really, you know, the other night was the first time we've played a game in which we were missing two rotation players. Yeah. Uh, most teams have gone through – you know, I think I would guess if we look at the Lakers' main rotation, they've probably had about – I don't know, I just off the top of my head, maybe 50% of their games where they've been missing two rotation players. Um, the Clippers have probably had close to 50% of their games. The two teams that have not are the Jazz and the Suns, and that's, I think, why they're ahead of everyone else in the standings. Um, and so if everyone's now gets back to healthy, uh, I just think the, the length of the Clippers, the versatility of what they can put out there offensively, um, I think they've dealt with their chemistry problems with addition by subtraction. Um, and I, so I think they're a much better, um, I think they're a much better constituted team than they were a year ago. And then you have Kawhi and Paul George with a lot of really, really good players around. Paul George, quite frankly, is the wild card, right? Like, you know, the, the Lakers don't seem to have that same wild card. That, you know, Paul George has a track record of getting in, in his own way in the playoffs. And will he do that again? So assuming the, the standings stay really kind of relatively the same, which, which I think they're going to, a Jazz-Lakers second-round series is not guaranteed, but is probable. And I'm curious if you think the Lakers are going to be healthy. I think that we can assume LeBron is because we saw the injury. And we, we know that you okay. <laughs> are you okay, David? We saw, I'm fine. Why would, there, what just happened? There's a lot of noise, and it sounded like it you know, might have been you and your oh. vehicle. Okay. I, I can switch. I can switch off Bluetooth if it's a problem. I was just trying to be hands free. Okay. Uh, now stay stay hands free. Uh, so, assuming it's Jazz and Lakers, we know LeBron's injury. We saw it happen. We know the history of that injury, and we know LeBron's history. He should be healthy. But AD's health seems like a huge wild card. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would like to see. If, we're gonna, if you're gonna have to play the Lakers, I would think the sooner the better. Um, they haven't had a lot of time together. Um, they might not be in perfect shape. They might not be healthy. Maybe the other angle is you wear them down a little bit. But I, you know, Denver's going to give a, Denver will give them a fight in that first round. That four or five series seems like it's fairly well set. Um, so all likelihood, Denver Denver will give them a fight even without Jamal Murray. They're not as good. They're not as dynamic, but they're pretty good still. Michael Porter Jr. is like bona fide scorer, somewhere between like Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant bona fide scorer, like really legit. So they're going to turn it over to Ian Jokic, and those guys have 17 games to figure out how to work together. They're a little thin on the guard line because they traded Gary Harris. Um, but they're like that, that Denver team, Jamal Murray's great. I'm not discrediting that at all, but they're not done. Like they're not, they're going to give a bigger fight than people realize. I loved that Denver team. I thought, uh, I loved it all year. And then Aaron Gordon was putting something in a place where you're getting a zero. Paul Millsap as a starter was giving them zero. So that's a huge upgrade for them only because they're getting, you know, that, that's where I think sometimes we get lost in these player acquisitions is when you add something in a spot where you're already getting something, the incremental difference is pretty slim. 
But when you do what, you know, the greatest example is the Lakers had the 30th best power forward in the league and Kwame Brown and added Pau Gasol and went crazy. That's not that far off. I mean, they didn't get Pau Gasol. Aaron Gordon's only okay. But they were not getting anything out of Paul Millsap. So I almost might argue that even without Jamal Murray, that's a better team today than it was before the trade deadline. And, um, or at least that's good. And so I don't think they're going to just whimper on out. So they're talking about Favors not playing. Who gets his minutes? Really interesting, isn't it? Like, so I think it's anything of two different combinations. I think we'll see Jawan Morgan, who we saw in the playoffs. The coaching staff has always really liked Juan. He's always done well. He's had actually only two games all year. We played over 20 minutes. Both those were against Dallas this year, one of which he was very, very good, one of which he was not. Um, which is exactly what you'd expect with someone who's got about 120 minutes of career time. Uh, the other one is Ersan Ilyasova. Ilyasova played about 72 minutes of his time as a center for Milwaukee last year. And I would assume that it's not entirely coincidental that Azabuke got hurt and Ilyasova got signed shortly thereafter. So I, I would think we'll see Ilyasova playing some five in a real stretch five. He's a Pretty good rebounder, uh, percentage-wise. He is 6'10". He's got a good reach. You know, I don't think his legs are quite what they once were, that his knees always want to play along anymore at 30, whatever he is, somewhere between 33 and 35. I can't remember. He's 33. Um, and uh, so listed at 33. Um, I think that that's a case in which he's, you know, his legs aren't quite what they once were, but I think he can still rebound well enough out of that position. Um, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see. A good test. I mean, these guys are mammoth with Turner and Sabonis, so it'll, this is a tough one to try to, try to play without all your, guy, all your centers. So do you think the Jazz are going to have any problems in this? I mean, Indiana's won four of five, but they played arguably the three worst teams in the NBA in that stretch and won all three of those games. The losses to the Clippers. A little bit above average team. Their record, I think, is below average, but their numbers are slightly above average. So if you don't have a good night, you're in trouble or a good day. Um, I, you know, we'll see how Jordan comes back. Hopefully, we can get that kind of magic in that second unit. In the game they lost the other day, they, in the minutes in which you usually have that lineup that's just been crushing people, which is Conley, Clarkson, Ingles, Niang, Gobert. That's been our best lineup of our non-starters, and that spans the final two minutes of the first quarter into about the first four minutes of the second quarter, the same thing in third and fourth, really have crushed people. We were minus 16 in those minutes the other night in the loss to Washington. Um, so just not having our regular rotation and missing two guys, I think, was really you know, vital to that game. So if we can't, because of the favors being out or Clarkson's not quite right, we can't create that again. That's a big loss for us to not be dominant in that time period of the game. Uh, they're, they're interesting. They've been scoring a ton recently and not defending at all, but a lot of that's because Miles Turner was out, and now you get Miles Turner back, and they still score at that same rate with Miles Turner back, then they might be clicking a little bit. What do you think they do with Conley? Because they got some back-to-backs coming up, obviously, today and tomorrow. It was interesting. They played Conley in a back-to-back the other day, and, the, and they clearly he was on a minutes restriction in that time period, right? I think he played 24 in that game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play both today and tomorrow, but he just did it at a lower number rate. Um, but maybe not. I mean, there's a bigger picture going on here, which is 
you know, fresh is the word I keep hearing Quinn Snyder use, fresh. It's not healthy, it's fresh. And I think that's as much as saying, I'm not as convinced as the article in the ESPN by all the, with all the GM quotes without much data that the, trunk, the truncated second half of the schedule and the increased games is causing injury. I think it's causing mental and physical fatigue, and particularly mental fatigue at a high level. And so I think uh, Quinn's use of the word fresh is a good word. You're trying to get your team fresh. It's also, this sounds subtle, but the number one seed plays last. I think it has to. We've never done this before, but just intuitively, if the team that's the eighth seed has already had to play two playing games and has to travel to the, their third city in three games, I'm assuming that they're going to make them play the last game of the first round. Um, so I would say I think that's an important one. Like that extra day or two could give you a little, make you a little more fresh. Yeah. And frankly, you're probably going to get Zion or Steph, so it's not going to be easy. And seven's going to be Luca or Dame, so that's not great either. But they're, you know, if you get a team that's a little tired, you can jump on them for the first two, and you walk out with a five-game series. Well, the Lakers and Nuggets are in a bloodbath. That keeps you fresh too. So those are all the reasons I do think back to where we started. The one seat's really important. This is just kind of a, a trivial note, but we were discussing this, and we couldn't remember anything. A weekday afternoon game that isn't a holiday. I can think of Christmas and MLK days. When's the last time the Jazz played a weekday afternoon game that wasn't a holiday? It, it's giving me slight shudders and fear because um, – we used to do this in the WNBA all the time. It was summer camp day, and it was like the highest attendance game of the year. So you'd have like 13,000 eight-year-olds, girls screaming, or eight-year-old and nine-year-old and 10-year-old girls screaming at the top of their lungs for two hours straight. And it was always quite a din to have behind your broadcast. I don't think we'll have that today, but I have no idea when the last time we did this is. We used to do it all the time in the W for summer camp day, and it was always a very unique game. You know, going to the number one seed, and you think it's important, you've already said that. Going forward here, how do you think they balance other guys? You know, we know you already spoke about Conley and Favors, but how do they balance the rest of the nucleus to make sure they're that, what you say, fresh when the postseason begins? You know, there's there's an interesting conversation here. I don't know the answer. There's an interesting conversation here of what is optimum for an athlete. So I've held a grand total of like two conversations about this in my whole life, but one of them was with Mike Elliott. And it was a really interesting conversation. And it was in a year in which it was kind of the first year they stretched out the schedule. That year where we added like 12 days at the beginning of the schedule and stretched it out to get rid of three games and four nights and four out of five. And, and Mike was like, Hey, four out of five, we got to get rid of it. Like that's bad. And three out of four is hard. And he's like, but what's also hard on an elite athlete is two or three days off. That if they're not banged up, you know, what your game is that you're trying to play and your health and performance staff is to keep your athletes at their optimum performance rate. And these guys are so, such refined machines. And so they're at their optimum performance rate, probably playing every other day. Like, I saw a quote from a GM that said, every other game for five straight weeks is too much. I, I don't 
I don't know from my understanding of this that that's actually totally true. Like, I actually think that that might be your optimum performance. Perform, rest, perform, rest. It's terrible for practice. But from athletic performance, I actually, from my understanding of brief conversations, that's not that terrible. So I don't know the answer, PK, but it's, it's really like there's a very fine line here of like you don't want to take an athlete like a Rudy or Donovan who's at optimum peak performance and give them a week off. Yeah. Because then they're not at optimum week performance. In the case of Rudy and Donovan, the fatigue is probably significant both mentally and physically because you can go give them two days off and, and say, like, and the Jazz do, the Jazz have these various systems that they run. So one is they have a get-what-you-need day. That's like there's no obligation to practice. The coaches are available for you. The training staff's available for you. Frankly, you know, Anthony the chef and Bernie are available for you. And so if you want to come in and get your food and get some treatment, if you want to take some shots, you just want, like, whatever you need that day you do, we have nothing structured. Then they have practice days, which Quinn tries to be very attentive to the team needs, but there's, you know, the team needs stuff. And then the third one that they will do is called a lockout day, in which they are not allowed in the building, where collectively the strength and performance staff says, no one in today. You're, we're fatigued, we're mentally tired, I want no one to see anyone, and just stay, you know, and so... It's a very interesting kind of balance on how they're going to do it. I know that, like, one of the big concerns on the road on days when you don't practice is you don't really want your elite athlete just laying in bed all day. Like, you want some movement that day out of your athlete. So there's, there, it's a very fine line. I, I've given you a lot of information and really with no answer. I hope it was at least interesting. Well, that system will be uh, in play then at the end of the regular season before the playoffs because they're gonna the season ends on a Sunday, and you've already said the Jazz are gonna get the last game of the first round on a Sunday night a week later. So there's gonna probably, be six, right? six days of well, there's certainly gonna be five and probably six days of no games. Yep. Right. Yeah. So like, what do they do? Do they hold a scrimmage in day three in there? Probably. Like they'll probably you know like Quinn will probably give them like I would just guess like. Monday would be a get-what-you-need day. Tuesday would be a pretty hard practice day. Wednesday might actually be an off day. Thursday might be a scrimmage, like, really hard. Friday, and you're digging into the game plan for the opponent, and, su- and no shoot-around or Saturday, something, you know, light, and no shoot-around Sunday would be my guess is how you play that week out. Well, we got and a month to, you- month to go. <laughs> Maybe you go twice, right? Like, maybe you decide that you're going to actually scrimmage on if it's Sunday, that you're scrimmaging Wednesday and Friday to get the guys back every other day. I don't really, you know, Mike Elliott just is a pro at this, and that's why those guys have their jobs. Um, you know, the fact of the matter on all this is what Phoenix does next week will determine all this discussion. Phoenix plays five road games on the East Coast against the five best teams of the Eastern Conference with, I think, two back-to-backs in it. You know, if they go four and one, it's on. Like, it's a race to the finish. Uh, if they go two and three, and we don't, you know, we do our job tonight, today, and, and maybe get one of the Laker games and kind of play out. The, if you look at the end of our schedule, it's not that tough. We're probably, it's probably over. But Phoenix hasn't blinked yet, to their credit, so they put a lot of pressure on the Jets. Well, they got two back-to-backs on that trip. 
And they it's got, a brutal trip. Yeah, they got four games in six days, so we'll see how that right. works out for them. And then they just finish by flying around. You always talk about the one home game, and they got a couple of those. I mean, they're just going to be on the road nonstop the last two weeks of the season. The end of their season sucks. It's not they, a favorable their schedule. Next eight games, their next eight games are Spurs, and I'm not going to do this in the correct order, but Spurs, Bucks, 76ers, Nets, Knicks, Celtics, Clippers, Jazz. Like, you know what? They got like six and two, seven and one. They deserve the number one seed. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. We'll hear you this afternoon, one o'clock. You're you're four basically four hours at the start of the show. I'm aware of that and don't love it. <laughs> okay. Thanks, David. See ya. David Locke here today with the Jazz and the Pacers, a 1 o'clock tip-off right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK. we got Kyle Goon, Laker beat writer, former Salt Lake Tribune writer. He's coming up at 9.05. He's 15 minutes away. Jazz and the Lakers Saturday. Jazz and the Lakers again on Monday. We'll see what he knows about uh, AD's health and uh, LeBron's health and the return of their two stars. Stay with us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotting and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. You get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801 253 3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, the question of the day, it's up on our Facebook page, and we got people going back and forth on it. Should the, dang, should the Jazz tank or negotiate the standings to purposely avoid playing the Lakers until the conference finals? And I thought in everything that uh, – and we've got like 40 comments on this. There's a ton of people weighing in. But, PK, I thought what David Locke said in there is spot on, probably needs to be underlined. I think on some level some of the national pundits kind of factor this in – uh, but they don't completely know it or grasp it, but they're still kind of on the mark when they're evaluating teams. And when you hear them ignore the Jazz or the Suns, the Jazz and the Suns have been healthier than the Lakers and Clippers. And that's largely the difference in the standings. And I think people, even if they don't know the numbers, they understand that, and that's why they say, by the time you get to the second round, it's going to be on. It is going to be on. Regardless of whatever the difference in the regular season standings were, these second-round series are going to be tough. So to come back to our question, what should the Jazz do you know, to avoid the Lakers until the conference finals, you're going to be playing a really good team in the second round. And you, you, you try to avoid the Lakers, and you send the wrong message, and people know what you're doing, and it sends the message, we're not good enough. You, you just can't go down that road. I think of all the reasons not to do it, that's the biggest one. Don't send the message, well, we're, kind of, we're not good enough. We're kind of flawed. Go for it. Just go for it. And if the Suns go for it and beat you out because they're that awesome down the stretch, well, you know, so be it. But you've got to make them be awesome. You can't just tank. 
Well, I, I don't know the tanking or all in trying to win every game at maximum ability. I don't know that those are the only two options there. I think that uh, the the periodic resting and if the Suns do get better than you, so be it. Because I don't think that health is the difference with the Clippers and the Jazz. And and I get Locke. He's never going to say the Jazz are the best team. They should win it all. I mean, he's just not going to put that kind of pressure on them. We have to acknowledge that. That doesn't discount that he believes the Clippers are really good. Because it's true. And if he thinks the Clippers are the best team, I can see where he's saying that. But I'd be very surprised if he would say the Jazz are the best team because that sets the expectation, well, if you don't win it all or if you don't get out of the West, then you're underachieved. And, and who failed? To. Name yeah. names. Right, <laughs> right, right. So he's not going to go down that road. Let's acknowledge that, right? Uh, so with that in mind, the Clippers are really good. I've been saying this, and Paul George as as Locke says, you know, getting his own way, 100% accurate. And I think the Clippers are very, very, very extremely capable of coming out of the West. I agree with them 100% there. But I, I think the Clippers, it's not necessarily a health issue because they've had guys healthy and they've held them out. It's a rest issue. If you want to combine that under health, I guess I can live with that. Lakers, clearly, it's a health issue here. What So the Jazz have to figure out what's in their best interest to get them prepared for the playoffs. I don't know that I necessarily think that going for the number one seed at all costs is the right thing to do. I can't necessarily specifically say that. You know what I mean? Because they have to balance it. I do. You want your team playing the best, and you want them to be healthy going into the playoffs. And if to get to that, you have to sacrifice the one seed, so be it. I think we can all say we've seen Mike Conley struggle with hamstring issues. So if a back-to-back or a four games in six days, whatever it is specifically that's usually, I mean, if you're going to play four and six, you're going to have to play a back-to-back. You know, whatever it is, or if it's just the way he feels, whatever that is, if they've got to sit him, you know, then we get it. You know, Favors, I thought, played pretty well early in the year. I thought he had a stretch where he was playing below the rim, which to me, I thought there were back problems. Maybe they were knee problems. I thought he's looked a little more lively lately. Now they want to give him a day off today. And is it some combination of knee and then the mental fatigue and all that 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 Locke talks about? You know, uh, if that's what it takes, so be it. I got to say, when they got Ilyasova, I thought – well, they need to play five out sometimes, and he might be their best option at doing that in limited minutes. He's not at the point in his career where anyone expects him to be playing big minutes, and with Rudy Gobert on the roster, I don't expect him to be playing big minutes. But what has he got? He's kind of a mystery. So if a little bit of this is, hey, Favors could use some time off, and we need it's a back-to-back, and we need to see what Ilyasova can do a little bit. He's got to play a little bit here. He can't just sit for months and then maybe be needed because of some injury and or matchup in the playoffs. So, yeah, if you're, if you're juggling all that stuff and it costs you the one, so be it. But the idea of tanking it, losing games on purpose, it just sends a horrible message. You can't right. do that. I agree. And, and I just think that the Jazz do have – it's only a one-game lead now. It's down. It was just you know three and a half a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so it, it is a one-game lead, but the Jazz on paper have the easier schedule. If they're playing well – I expect they're still going to get the one seed. The Suns' schedule is much more difficult. Everything that people hate about NBA schedules, the Suns have to endure here in the next three weeks. So if they blast through this with a bunch of W's, then it's tip of the cap time whether they catch the Jazz or not. Because yeah. this schedule, 
I, you know, put all the fan stuff aside, the back-to-backs, the road games, the one-game homestands where it feels like a road game to the players, they've got to endure all that stuff. And sometimes that stuff gets oversold, but there's an element of truth to it, and the Suns have to endure it all. So if they blast through this with a bunch of Ws, then they're awesome. DJ and PK, when we come back, we'll talk with Kyle Goon. He's a Laker beat writer for the Southern California News Group, used to work for the Salt Lake Tribune, and we'll talk with him next.